0: Hey, thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. Here at Reveal, our mission is simple. Find God, find others, and find yourself. For more information, visit us online at revealvineyard.com. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, It's truly an honor and a privilege to be up here. You know, the few times that Marty's asked me to come up and fill in when he was out of town. Um it's, it's a pretty big deal for me. I, I really take it very seriously and, and very honored and privileged to be up here with you guys. So, you know, we're, we're in the middle, I guess not in the middle, probably closer to the tail end of a, a five-week series that was titled, We Are, where we're exploring the various aspects that make us who we are as a church. And if you remember, or if you weren't here, we'll summarize each of those weeks. So in week one, we talked about how we are one of many and what that what we boiled that down to was that we recognize that we as a church are part of a much bigger story that God's been working on since the very beginning. You know, we're, we're part of a long history of men and women who devoted their lives to Jesus. And now we carry that message forward and expect others to follow after us to do the same thing. In week 2, we talked about we being committed. We are committed. And we looked at the differences between a comfortable church and what a committed church looks like. If you remember, religion is very comfortable, whereas a committed church or being a committed follower of Jesus Christ can be very, very painful at times. A comfortable church tends to be very personal. Uh, My beliefs on my terms, uh, my timing tends to be quite isolated. But the committed church is communal. We as a group, we are the church. We do things together and we do things better together. Comfortable church tends to be sanitary. First thing you think of when you hear sanitary is you think the floors are clean and the countertops are clean. We're not talking about that kind of sanitary. We're talking about predictable, no surprises. So the committed church, like our church, we've got people in the church that are wounded, that are scarred, that have a lot of baggage that they carry around or um, have crazy stories as marty referred to that uh, that make us who we are. And then the comfortable church is also tends to be a very safe place whereas a committed church there can be a lot of risk involved with being an active participant. The third week we talked about what it looks like when we are not religious. And I think a lot of people's first impression was well that seems like a very contradictory statement. So we pitted Jesus versus religion. We made the strong point that as Reveal Church, we are not religious. And by religion or religious, we mean that set of rules and regulations that were set forth that caused us to gain or lose favor with God. So religion typically looks for reasons to condemn, reasons to critique, whereas Jesus looks for opportunities to influence and to inspire Religion looks for, or Jesus calls to the front those that religion tends to push to the back, like those that are handicapped, those that are poor, the sinners, uh, those that society looks at as lesser human beings. Religion sees the sins of others, yet somehow ignores or diminishes or overlooks their own. The world doesn't need more religious people. You know, what the world needs is more people living a life centered on the teachings of Jesus. Uh, just like, uh, if you put that next slide up, guys, just like our new logo. You know, the, the onus on this logo is a Jesus-centered community. This is exactly what we want to portray, and we are that church. And then last week, we talked about the fact that we are blessed. We looked at the message that Jesus delivered in Matthew 5, where, where Jesus answered the question, who's blessed by God? You know, Jesus clearly proclaimed that, that all are worthy of the blessings of God, but that came as quite a surprise to those that were in attendance when Jesus was speaking. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, those that cannot overcome on their own. And blessed are those that mourn, those that love someone or something or a group of people so intensely and deeply that when they lose that person, they feel like they've lost a part of themselves. Or Blessed are the meek or those that understand they are part of God's creation, but they're not the center of God's creation. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, those that are merciful and those that freely give mercy and forgiveness. Blessed are those that are the pure in heart, those that are the peacemakers, those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, yet they stay the course. So this week, we're going to start with uh, a message that we've titled, We Are Counting the Cost, and we're going to look at sacrifices that we can make to count the cost for the kingdom. So let's start with the prayer with a prayer, with a pray. You can tell I don't do this often. Dear Heavenly Father, we just, uh, we thank you for this time that we are here, and that we're here as a community and as a church. We just thank you for the opportunity to rub shoulders and to discuss stories and to, to, to fellowship together. Uh, we just pray that you would take whatever it is involved in this message that we need to apply to our own lives to ensure that we're counting the cost going forward as members of Revealed Church. God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when you guys hear the word revolution, it probably stirs up a lot of different uh, words and emotions, That the first things that you think of. um, Some might say when they hear the word revolution, they think of a a coup or uh, an uprising or anarchy or overthrow. It tends to be more violent words, upheaval, rebellion. Others might think dangerous challenging, risky, or even costly. No matter what type of revolution you look at throughout history, there's one common thread or common theme you'll see throughout all those revolutions, and that is there's always a cost involved or a price to be paid. During the American Revolution, one of the most pivotal times in our country's history, there were two types of people. There was the group of people that uh, didn't really care for the king's oppressive hand, didn't care for his uh, over-taxation, didn't care for uh, England's treatment of the colonists. Those people were clearly unhappy, but they wanted to still maintain ties and stay in the good graces of the king. They didn't want to rock the boat. So when they started, uh, first started drafting their documents to look into independence, they used terms and words and phrases that were kind of on the fence, like, we just don't want to be traitors. We uh, want to make sure that we stay in the good graces of the king. Now, the other group of people that we see along that same same time frame are people like John Adams, and people like Benjamin Franklin, and people like Thomas Jefferson. These are people that they knew this was, and they recognized this was the start of a very important revolution, and they want to make sure when they put pen to paper that they were actually writing a decree that made sure they offended somebody. They wanted to make sure that their voice was heard and that it was loud and resonated. So they weren't giving a suggestion of independence to the British. They were declaring their independence. You know, when those 56 individuals that signed the Declaration of Independence attached their signatures to that document, you know, they they knew they were committing treason against the British Crown. Okay? They knew that if they were captured that the penalty for their capture was going to be death, and it likely wasn't going to be a swift death, probably going to be slow and painful. But all counted the cost, were willing to pay the price for the revolution because they knew the cause was worth it. So a more modern uh, example or modern revolution we can discuss is the civil rights movement in the 1960s. Dr. Martin Luther King, throughout his days fighting for civil rights, was subjected to more threats than you could count literally. In an interview he did in 1965, he said this, If I were constantly worried about death, I couldn't function. I must face the fact, as all others in positions of leadership must do, that America today is an extremely sick nation, and that something could well happen to me at any time. I feel, though, that my cause is so right, so moral, that if I should lose my life in some way, it would aid the cause. So what he's saying is, I've clearly counted the cost. I so firmly believe in the message that is this revolution that I'm willing to give my life for the cost. So a revolution will always cost you something. America waged a political revolution against England, and Dr. King waged a civil rights revolution against equality, and Jesus wages a spiritual revolution against the kingdom of darkness. Now Jesus started by, you know, gathering ordinary men and women to be part of the revolution. Uh, he invited them not only to believe in his cause, but to follow. Not only to follow, but also to participate, to be an active participant in the revolution, which is one of the hills that we die on. Active participation. Not only participate, but sign on the dotted line. Okay? One who's willing to give everything they have for the revolution. Jesus never looked for those that had all the right answers, or those that knew all the little nuances uh, of Uh, the kingdom message, he looked for those that were willing to surrender, to give up everything to step in and be proactive and active participants in the kingdom revolution. That is the cost of joining. So listen to the words of Jesus in, in Luke chapter 14 verses 25 and 26. Scripture says this, now great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Okay, at first glance, on the surface, that's a very un-Jesus-like statement. I mean, to hate everyone that you affiliate with. But, you know, Jesus, let's talk about love and let's talk about peace and let's talk about streets paved with gold in heaven and let's talk about baby angels because everybody loves baby angels, you know. (laughs) <laughs> now, obviously, Jesus didn't literally mean that you hate your father, you hate your mother, you hate your sisters, you hate your brothers. He was just driving home a point, okay? His point was, if you're going to follow me, I take top billing, speaking in the frame of reference to Jesus. I take top billing. If you're part of my kingdom revolution, it'll require you to be all in. And if you're not all in, you're not in at all. The scripture continues in uh, verse 27. It says, And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus made this statement just before he would take up his own cross. Okay, And the first century audience who heard this knew what the cross was for. You know, they knew that it wasn't a religious icon hanging from someone's neck or a piece of jewelry. It wasn't something that you put on a t-shirt or a bumper sticker or a bracelet. It had a simple in singular meaning, and that was death, okay? It was the lethal injection of the day. It was capital punishment. When convicted and sentenced to death by crucifixion, those those individuals would be mandated to carry that cross through the city to the place of execution, okay? That's strong imagery. So Jesus said, if you want to follow me, it'll cost you something. You'll be asked to die, literally die to yourself, to follow me. Scripture continues in uh, verses 28 through 30. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So before you pick up your cross, Before you join my mission, before you join this revolution, I want you to think this through. I want you to count the cost. Is is this something that you can finish? Jesus is essentially saying, consider what I'm asking of you. If you follow me, you'll be asked to carry the kingdom message. You'll be part of the revolution, and it will cost you something clearly. But the other great thing about Jesus, especially in these passages, is Jesus doesn't leave out any hidden costs, okay? He laid it all out. He made it crystal clear in these words what the cost would be. Now, uh, I'm sure many of you, and maybe you have or have not, but have any of you ever entered into a contract where on the back end there was some hidden costs thrown in? Okay, I think if anyone, anyone that has a cable uh, bill or subscription and a cell phone, you guys obviously are, are familiar with this. So, You know, let's say you signed up for the premium package through Direct TV, and you know you um, just so you could get the NFL Sunday ticket, and you can get the Hallmark Channel, so you can watch reruns of The Notebook. um, Maybe that's just me. Um, So that package is advertised at $69.99 a month, and you're thinking, "Oh, this is a great deal." But you get the bill at the end of the month, and it's like 95 bucks, and you're like, "What? You know what just happened?" Well. You know, they fail to tell you, well, you, you missed the you-got-screwed charge and the just because we can tax, and those are on in the fine print at the bottom of the, the contract. Well, with Jesus, there are no unseen hidden charges, no hidden costs. He tells you right up front that if you follow, this revolution is clearly going to cost you. Now, there are some costs you're willing to pay because the cause is clearly worth it. Now, uh, my wife and I have four kids, Uh, three of which are very, very involved in various extracurricular activities. We've got a baseball player and a softball player, and we've got a dancer, um, and there's other things to do, a running club and this, that, and the other thing. There's so many activities. At the end of every month, there's a pretty substantial deduction from our checkbook to fund all these extracurricular activities, but we're comfortable with that cost. Every single week, we sacrifice hours of our time Being the taxi driver, taking them to recitals and taking them to practices and performances and events and games. I say we, but my wife does most of the driving. But we do it together. We're a team. But it's a cost that we counted. We've also been very privileged in the last few years to be able to uh, travel to other countries to help spread the gospel. Uh, And uh, most notably, uh, the two countries that we recently visited are considered to be very anti-Christian in Thailand and India. Um, Before we traveled, we had to consider the cost that would come with that leap and making that commitment to go on these trips. We had to consider and take in mind that, uh, or keep in mind, that we could be persecuted while we're there before or after, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, or in some cases even physically. Um, You know, we we had to fill out living wills and advance directives for our kids, which for someone that's 39 years old, full transparency, Um, it was a really challenging situation because that's not something that we felt like we should be thinking about or talking about when we're under 40 years old with our kids. But it's a cost we counted and we clearly found that it was worth it. You know, uh, Marty, Morgan, Mike, and all the staff here, uh, they've struggled for quite some time with the idea of obtaining a building. Where's that building going to be? You know, they've, they've challenged themselves with questions like, what if we can't pay for it? What if we, you know, Marty said before, what if they get part time jobs to help fund this? What if nobody shows up? You know, what if the church folds? All these questions and the doubt that came with them can clearly take a toll. But, 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 all the people that are yet to be reached for the kingdom in the area where we're setting our foundation in El Mirage are well worth that cost. So you can clap, it's okay. It helps me feel more comfortable. So, woo! <laughs> You know, although there is a cost of following Jesus, God does give us grace to help pay the price. You know there's many that have counted and accepted the cost of following Jesus uh, that would no longer consider it a cost because God gives grace in that season. If you have a child, you know, by the time that child is about eighteen years old, estimates say that you will have paid approximately two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Uh, in the raising and the education and everything else for that child. So, if you don't have kids from the outside, you'd say that's pretty crazy. That might discourage some of you from having children. Uh, but if you've counted and accepted the cost, it's just what you do. You know, some seasons are harder than others, but there's, there's clearly grace in paying the cost. Tithing is a cost. You know, I'm not going to dig deep into the financials because we'll leave that to Marty. Uh, but, you know, but, but once you do it, once you tithe, you just adjust. You adjust your books, you plan for that every month, you move on. It's just life. There's grace in that. Volunteers in our church who sacrifice every single week, but they've counted the cost, and God gives grace for their service. You know, we recently uh, took in a a five-year-old boy who's a a good friend of of ours' uh, son, and uh, she's going through a rough season, and we took him in for about nine days. Um, Now, Initially, the concept of having a fifth child in our house uh, was actually pretty exciting. Um, you know, Since early in our marriage, uh, Vundan and I have, have openly talked about uh, adoption, fostering after we're done having our own biological family. Um, but I'll be honest, after having a fifth little one running around through the house, it was much more exciting in my head than it was... What we, what we physically experienced, all the screaming and the crying and the fighting and the, the whining and the he punched me, she pinched me, I didn't get as much of this as they did. There wasn't a whole lot of excitement there. But the one thing we qu- quickly uh, realized after talking about is that we're probably not quite ready for another child at this time. Um, but the concept of another child was great, but we clearly and quickly realized that the commitment there is pretty hard. You know, sometimes we're more in love with the actual concept than we are the actual commitment. You know, when we, love the, we love the concept of following Jesus. We love the fact that we get forgiveness of our sins because of what he did for us. But the commitment to following Jesus isn't nearly as appealing, is it? We love the concept of outreach. Telling people about Jesus, just don't ask me to do it. You know, the concept of serving in church, but the commitment it requires is not that Alluring. Uh, The concept of giving towards the kingdom work is one thing, but being all in is really not that charming. But Jesus didn't call us to a concept of a revolution. He called us to a commitment to a revolution. And there's a big difference. Because he knew our devotion to a concept, that changes absolutely nothing. Loving a concept doesn't carry the kingdom message forward. We cannot purely be about the concept of a religion that that holds Jesus as our icon of faith, we have to be about the commitment to his kingdom and his kingdom message. So, you guys are probably asking, well, this is about cost. What is it going to cost me? And maybe you're not asking that, but what I'd ask if you get nothing else out of this message today is just hear this next point, because this is super important. Um, If you can't identify some way that Jesus is, the following Jesus is costing you, you're not following jesus and there's a lot of weight there so i want to repeat it one more time if you can't identify the cost of following jesus maybe you're not following jesus at all maybe you're a seeker maybe you're someone who's looking for jesus or something like jesus but you're not sure and can't identify jesus from others there's no cost to you there but if you align yourself with jesus and cannot cannot identify the cost of following him You may not be following Jesus. You might have aligned yourself with the Christian religion, but that's not not part of the revolution. So let's make this a little bit more tangible. What does that cost look like? Uh, And you guys might not like this. This is a tough pill to swallow, but since I'm only up here one week, we're going to throw it out there. Um, So what does that cost look like in your day-to-day lives? So in any relationship, friendships, marriage, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, There's always a temptation to be selfish in that relationship. You want to put your needs first. But instead, you need to decide to serve the other person first. That's the cost of following Jesus, putting others ahead of yourself. Someone who's wronged you and everything in you screams to hold on to the bitterness and the hatred and all that resentment. But you decide to process and work through forgiveness. That's the cost of following Jesus being financially generous instead of using your extra money to buy a new car or go on vacation or buy other things that's the cost of the revolution you risk rejection by praying for someone at work telling them your faith story and they respond with hey that's just not my thing okay that's the cost of the revolution you might even lose some relationships because you're no longer interested in doing the things that you used to enjoy doing with the people you enjoyed doing them with it's the cost of the revolution with an already busy schedule, and you guys can all relate to me on this one, with an already busy schedule, you will carve out time to serve in his church. That's the cost of following. You might struggle with a, a particular sin, and you seek someone out to confess it, to get it out in the open, um, but it's embarrassing for that moment, and you can't let that embarrassment beat you. That's, that's the cost of following. So let's, let's zoom in on our church, okay? Okay. The cost of being a part of Reveal, if you call Reveal your church home, then what cost are you paying? I encourage you all to struggle with that question. Not just today, but maybe for the rest of the week, maybe for the rest of the month, maybe for the rest of the year. You know, this church was built by sacrifice and hard work of those that came to Reveal, and it clearly cost them something. It meant getting up early to set up. It meant staying late to tear down. It meant getting up an hour before you schedule that you're supposed to or you felt comfortable with so that you could serve in the children's ministry. It meant taking time out of your busy schedule to attend a regroup, or if you've been in a regroup for a while, leading a regroup. Uh, Driving a cheaper car so you can give more generously. Taking time out of your busy schedules to call someone that's in need. Not waiting for ministry opportunities to start, but starting them on your own. Okay, if you enjoy Reveal, Your enjoyment is because of others who came before you and and encountered that cost. So now it's our turn. Okay, together, we move the kingdom forward. We reveal the kingdom. So if your Sunday experience, okay, let's zoom into today. If your Sunday experience costs you nothing, then you're doing something wrong. Agreed? Okay. Agreed? (laughs) Okay. If you volunteer or attend a regroup only when you have nothing else in your schedule, you're doing something wrong. If you give only when you have nothing else to spend that money on, you're, you're doing something wrong. If you sow into others only when it's convenient to numero uno, you're doing something wrong. If you serve only when it's comfortable, you guess that you're doing something wrong. So let's list some ways that we as a church and as individuals can actually count that cost. First and most obvious is we give. Giving isn't always financial. You know, like I said, I'll, I'll let the financial talks uh, fall on Marty's lap. Uh, but you know, giving, being generous, comes at a cost. Tithing should be a minimum. Going above and beyond should be the expectation in a church that's committed. Sponsor a child through ministries like Food for the Hungry or things such as that. Donate your time and your talents to local outreaches, missions, food banks. Commit. Commit to serving. You know, everyone that calls Reveal Their Church Home, and I know Marty said this multiple times, so I hope it resonates as I say it and doesn't just sound monotonous, but everyone that calls Reveal Their Church Home should be serving somewhere. There's a spot for everyone in this room somewhere to serve if you're not doing it now. And there's no discriminators. Age, it doesn't matter. We've got the wisest of the wise, and the young serving in this church in multiple different ministries. You know, uh, the youth ministry is, is, is very close to my heart. We've got amazing high school kids that take the time to serve with the middle school kids. God bless you. We've got middle school kids that take the time out of their schedule to serve with the K through 5. That, that's amazing. That's a great example to set. So we, we don't have excuses here. Your spiritual maturity doesn't matter. You're needed. We've got friends in this church that we've talked about this at length with that that have thought that since they don't know the Bible from front to back and they can't recite verses whenever someone says, you know, Leviticus 12, hey, here it is, um, they, they feel like because they don't know that, they shouldn't be serving. That statement couldn't be more false. You know, how long you've been coming to reveal, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Whether or not you have a title or some type of qualification, once again, Guys, it just, it, that doesn't matter. It should still sting a little bit getting out of bed to serve instead of sleeping in. That means there is clearly a cost involved. So what else? Meeting someone on Sunday. We're moving into a, a brand new space. There's going to be a coffee bar. If there's people hanging out at the coffee bar, sipping on coffee, and they're not talking to anybody, they're, they're by themselves, whether you recognize them or not, go meet them, go talk to them. You know, what does it hurt? Some people will say, well, that takes work and it makes me uncomfortable. Well, welcome to the revolution. Okay? Inviting people to church. I mean, this is as low cost as it gets, okay? You know, before I referred to some of the ministry opportunities in, in other countries that, that my wife and I have been involved with through through the, through the church and through other organizations, you know, if you try to invite somebody to church in India or Thailand they find, find out about it, you and your family would be ostracized from your community. Or you'd be physically abused, emotionally abused, psychologically abused. Here, are you going to get physically, emotionally, or psychologically abused if I invite you to church and someone else sees it. That's just not going to happen. It's low cost, guys. It's low cost. What about joining a regroup? Or if you've been in a regroup, leading a regroup. Okay? Investing in others. You know, get to know their story. Follow up with them. Push past your own clique or your small group of people that you know and hang out with and invite others into that group. Put, your, put others above yourself. Go out of your way to thank a volunteer. Maybe give them a gift card that says, hey, thank you for making this an amazing church experience for me. Okay? Now guys, these are just some examples of ways uh, in which we can ensure that we're counting the cost of being a part of our church, which is Reveal. I'd encourage each and every one of you, take the time to evaluate what the costs are. Okay? Are you paying as an active participant in our church of Reveal? And I'd challenge you with, asking yourself, are you making Reveal a better church? Are you stretching yourself beyond your capacity to grow with the church? Where are their needs? And how can I help meet those needs? And if what I'm doing to advance the kingdom doesn't hurt, then am I doing enough? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just Thank you once again for the opportunity to meet here as a group and as a church with these amazing individuals. I just thank you for the message that you provided for us today. God, I I pray that you would take this message. I pray that you would help this message infiltrate the lives, the hearts, and the minds of everyone here. God, I pray that this message would be individualized to, to each person here so that they themselves can find out how they can count the cost moving forward with our church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, uh, there'll be people up here in the front if you need prayer. Uh, Make sure to come on back next week for uh, another message on this series. God bless you guys. Thanks.